The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. All right, all right. Welcome. You know what day it is. It's time for the Disability Law Show. Good to have you along with us. It's a uh, fun Friday. And to reach out any time to uh, Savan and his team, Savan Tamarkin, of course, co-founding partner, Sam Firu Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. How about that? Reaching out, one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll try to get through some emails in the show over the next half hour or so. Failing that, if you want to reach out and have some questions in Anytime, mydisabilityquestions.com. Free, anonymous, searchable. Great tool. Use it. Mydisabilityquestions.com. All right, Sven, as always, we got so much to get through, and we're going to try to cram in as much as we can in the uh, the next half hour. But you got something interesting off the top. How would he got? I do, John. This is uh, an email that actually just came to me today, and mm. uh, it, it comes from one of the people in my uh, neighborhood, on my street, actually. Um, so I'm going to read you the email. I'll change a few things just so this person can't be identified. Uh, I, I don't know him personally. Uh, I've probably seen him uh, here and around, but uh, it's quite a tragic story. And, you know, for our listeners who are used to listening to our shows and viewing our TV shows where we talk about employment law issues and long-term disability issues, you know, how our lawyers are able to help people across Ontario. Uh, we also do uh, personal injury cases, but some of these personal injury cases, the serious ones, are not necessarily the run of the mill, you know, a car accident or a slip and fall. Sometimes we deal with something different. And, you know, this individual here emailed me again, he's a neighbor, uh, so I'm going to be sensitive to it, but I want to read it out and I want to then uh, comments on it and, and just give out, uh, you know, some information that other people who may be in this situation or a different situation that's analogous will simply know what to do with. So here's what he writes. First of all, he acknowledges, he actually says that he's used our firm before to review his employment termination contract. So there you go. People come to us uh, for employment issues, disability issues, and personal injury uh, cases. So he writes, "Uh, I'd like to speak to you about my mom who passed away yesterday. Quick summary. My mom gets her nails cut at the hospital because she has diabetes and is also on dialysis. Uh, She ended up with a foot infection. Um, which was not treated well, and she ended up in the ER several times over several weeks. Her last visit was uh, about a week and a half ago, and uh, they've realized they did not treat her correctly. Uh, and uh, you know, she was in the hallway of the ER, and and they did not have the bar rails up in her bed. Oh man! She says she was in extreme pain, and she fell off the bed early in the morning, where she sustained multiple breaks and a head injury, which caused internal bleeding in her head. Because of this head injury, they were not able to treat her foot infection, and she actually passed away yesterday. The incident is now being investigated, and there's going to be a report completed, etc. And so he wants to chat with me about this situation. Now, John, I have dealt with other cases where elderly individuals have not been cared for the way they ought to have been. And again, remember, I mean, we're in the COVID world, post-COVID world, perhaps. I'm saying post in quotes because we're still dealing with COVID. And of course, we know the nightmare scenarios uh, and the nightmare issues across the world, not just in Canada and Ontario, uh, but all over the place with how the elderly have been treated Mm -hmm. in nursing homes, in hospitals, etc. Now, I'm not going to say that individuals who are treating them, nurses, caretakers, etc., have some kind of ill intent. 
I mean, we have to presume that they don't. They're people who've gone into those industries to help individuals. But sometimes the institutions, the institutions that are there to take care of the elderly, some of the most vulnerable in our society, are not doing what they're supposed to. Either there is not enough of a budget, so they don't have enough staff, there's not enough training, there's not enough, you know, the policies are inadequate. But then mm-hmm. you end up with a situation like this, where you have an elderly person that have all has all these issues. And presumably here, I'm going to say presumably because we don't know what the investigation is going to show, but just on the face of it, it seems to me like proper care was not taken, which resulted in this elderly person falling off that bed, sustaining the severe head injury and passing away prematurely. It's a tragedy. It's absolutely a tragedy. And I have dealt in other situations in the context of hospitals, nursing care homes. And I can tell you that when I get involved and we do our investigation and we talk to the right people, we look at everything that has been, you know, needs to be looked at. We generally find that there was a lack of something, a lack of training, lack of resources, lack of personnel. The point is, uh, if you're in that situation, of course, the person who's now passed away, I mean, this neighbor of mine, uh, his mother passed away. She's not going to start any legal claims, but the family is yeah. left devastated, devastated. I'm not talking about even the ex- expenses of a funeral, which is, I think, crass to even talk about. I'm not talking, I'm talking about that. Talk about the pain that the family is caused as a result of a family member passing away because of someone's negligence. And there are things you can do about this. There are legal mechanisms, there are legal actions, claims that can be brought. And here's the thing for anybody out there who says to themselves, this is just a personal injury lawyer talking. I don't care if you come to me or if you go to someone else that knows what they're doing. You need to seek justice for what's happened. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes these institutions, and I'm including government in that as well, because sometimes we deal with hospitals uh, and other institutions that are administered by the government. Without some kind of financial penalty, without actually going after them and making sure that financially it hurts. It hurts in, in the in the books, in the wallet, that people are held to account. Without that, change does not happen. It does not happen because human beings, unfortunately, are creatures of habit. Yep. And without without focusing on you know their wallets and going after whoever is responsible, making sure you're holding them to account, nothing changes. Hmm. And so when I'm going to speak to this individual, I'm going to talk to him next week, I'm going to explain to him all his options. And right now, again, we're in the investigation stage. But if a coroner's report comes back, for example, and says this and this was done incorrectly or wrongly, you bet you that we're going to go after that hospital and whoever was responsible for this. I'm not seeking you know, to put them in jail, none of that. But oh, yeah. they have to pay and the family has to be compensated. I mean, they're dealing with a tragedy right now. I'm going to give them their time, their space. My job is to give them information. And this is a case about my neighbor. But, John, again, I've talked to other individuals out there who've had situations where, they're, again, it's a, it's a car accident or a slip and fall or a cyclist uh, that's been injured by, by you know, somebody who's, who's driving their car carelessly. Mm-hmm. And they've suffered severe injuries. Maybe they're fractures, brain injuries. You know, it impacts your ability to work. All these kinds of things are compensable at law. You can, you can get compensation for these injuries, for your inability to work. And we're going to talk about cases because we have emails that have come in and we're, 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 going, to, we're going to provide this information to people out there. You have options. Now, keep in mind, you also have timelines, certain timelines you have to abide by because if you don't take the necessary legal action within the prescribed timelines, you could be out of luck. There's what's called a limitation period under the mm-hmm. Limitations Act in Ontario. 
And, and there are sometimes notice provisions, not just limitations of when we can start a legal action, but there are also notice provisions. For example, if you slip and fall on a municipal sidewalk, as an example, because of carelessness by whoever was maintaining it, uh, let's say the city, you need to let them know within 10 days of the incident under the municipal act that you're going to start an action and, and you know here's what's happened to you. So there are notice provisions. So again, you need to get this information. One of the things we do, other than provide this on our website, is, John, we tell people you can give us a call, you can email us, we'll give you this information, we'll talk to you about your case for free. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you choose to retain us to help you, we'll be more than happy to. If you don't, that's okay. As long as if you do start an action, if you do want to go the legal route, you make sure you do your homework because if you get the wrong lawyer and the wrong law firm, you're going to be very sorry. Not a day passes, John, where I don't get contacted from different parts of the country, by the way, because we do work not just in Ontario, but in BC and Alberta as well. People who listen to us, uh, who feel comfortable with reaching out to us, but they already have lawyers and they're asking us to undo some of the the mess that has been already caused by some other lawyers. So again, you got to make sure that if you hire a lawyer, a law firm to help you with an injury, with a fatality, that you go to the source, you go to the right people, you do your research. Reaching out, by the way, if only for a chat, uh, you know, get some information from Sivan and his team. No problem. one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca as well. I know we've got a break in a couple minutes, pal, but what else did you want to cook up before we uh, get into the break? Well, one of the things I want to talk about, and we can talk about it after the break, is we mm-hmm. want to talk about pre-existing conditions in the context of, uh, of an injury. Because we see a lot of times, and I've had cases uh, that became very complex, and you have to know how to deal with them, where somebody suffers an injury, let's say to a knee, as an example, a knee injury in a car accident and a slip and fall, but they've had issues with that knee before, except that it wasn't a problem. They were able to work. They were able to do things. And so the question becomes, after the injury occurs, after the injury occurs because of someone's negligence, maybe they didn't maintain an area properly and the person fell, slipped and fell. Uh, Maybe there was a car accident and they hit their knee on the dashboard and now they're Mm -hmm. having issues with their knee. What do you do in that situation? Will the insurance company, for whoever was at fault, will they take the position, well, that this was pre-existing? And because it was pre-existing, we're not going to pay you anything. And again, you have to be very careful in how you deal with those kinds of cases. What do you ask your doctors to, to put down in a report? What right. do I ask experts when I retain experts, right? I retain experts all the time on cases to, to, to prove my clients' injuries and losses. I may, I may have to retain an orthopedic surgeon. I may have to retain a chronic pain specialist, a psychologist. Pre-existing issues are a huge thing when it comes to personal injury. Right. And if you don't do it right, the insurance company is going to pay you a fraction of what you're owed. Disabilityrights.ca is the website, and we'll continue in a moment after a short break. This is the Disability Law Show. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. All right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. So good to have you along uh, for the ride. It's a half-hour show every Friday, and uh, you want to uh, reach out to Savannah and his team any other time. That's easy, one 821 5900 Knowledge is key, right? So don't hesitate to reach out and have a chat if you would prefer to ask some questions through your keyboard on your phone or otherwise, um, you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com, right? Mydisabilityquestions.com, free and anonymous. And there's always disabilityrights.ca that will lead you to the uh, media page where you can catch our long-running TV show as well. So have a look at that. But uh, we'll continue, Savannah, again, so much to get through in the next few minutes here with the uh, remaining time of the show. Where do you want to head? 
Yeah, John, let me tell you about an interesting case before we uh, we broke um, uh, for for uh, a, a minute or two. Um, I, I mentioned that pre-existing conditions in the context mm-hmm. of a personal injury claim can become uh, problematic and confusing and complex. Uh, how do you how do you convince the insurance company? Let's say you're in a car accident and I give the example of somebody who injures their knee. Uh, and let's say you hit your knee on the on the dashboard uh, when somebody I don't know rear ends you, for example. And, sure. and before you had issues with your knee, but you could work, you could do whatever. And now you can't. What do you do in that situation? Well, let me tell you about an individual that called me just this week. Uh, the person was just uh, just lives outside of GTA. Uh, he's a 53 year old construction worker. He had a car accident last year. It was a left hand turn. So uh, the guy who called me was going straight. He had a green light. Somebody made an improper left-hand turn and, in fact, was charged for this accident. Now, this person has two small kids, and his wife was laid off due to COVID uh, in, in the last couple of years. So he's the, the sole breadwinner in the family here. As a result of this accident, which was fairly significant, he suffered a full rotator cuff tear of his mm-hmm. shoulder, the right yeah. shoulder, and he, he's, he's right-hand dominant. So this is a severe uh, uh, injury. Uh, now... Uh, he uh, went back to work within about three months because he literally had no choice. He's on modified duties. He has a very good and understanding manager and employer, uh, but he has issues with his shoulder. He's a, he's a construction worker, remember, and this is, this is not, you're not sitting at your desk. Um, and so he's using his, his arms, but he has difficulty now. Now, uh, he has tremendous difficulties doing his work. His doctor thinks he should absolutely not be working, but he has to. Now, he had issues with his shoulders before this accident. Uh, He had issues with his arm before. He never had a tear, but he had other conditions. And in fact, he was being seen by a chronic pain specialist. But remember, he he was never off work as a result of his shoulder or right arm before this accident. Now he has this accident. He has this tear. He's back to work on on restricted duties. Um, And and the, the thing is this. When you're involved in a car accident... If you're unable to work, you are, you're supposed to be paid up to $400 a week from your own insurance company, from your, your own automobile insurer for accident benefits, for income yes. replacement benefits. Yep. Here's the problem, though. It's not enough, given what he's making a year. And so he, again, was forced to go back to work. But because he's earning what he's earning at work, he's not qualified. That doesn't qualify for income replacement benefits because he's obviously making more than the $400 a week. His brother also has been helping him at home with winter maintenance this past winter, summer maintenance, you know, cutting the grass. His brother is going to be helping him out. There's discussion with a surgeon about surgery for his shoulder, but there are no guarantees. So he's very concerned about that. So remember, he is doing work right now. He's back at work against medical advice because he has no choice. Okay, so let's dissect this. He has a claim, a legal claim against the driver who caused the accident. It's called a tort claim. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's, that, that's the legal terminology. It's against whoever caused the accident. That means that he should be receiving compensation potentially for pain and suffering, potentially for other types of injuries, uh, sorry, other types of losses from the insurance company of the at-fault driver. Now, some lawyers who perhaps don't have this experience or sufficient experience here will tell him, look, you're back at work. So technically, you're not owed any income loss from the other insurance company. The correct way, however, to look at this is that this guy is back at work against medical advice because he has no choice. 
It's a question mark as to whether or not he will continue to be able to do his work, even on restricted duties. I mean, listen, employers can only be uh, benevolent for only so long before they start looking to either replace you or, or reduce your, your uh, uh, salary because you can't do all the, all the work that you, you otherwise could have done. And so there is now a potential that he's going to have income loss into the future. Throw in there the fact that he may have surgery and who knows what's going to happen with the surgery. You could potentially be looking at a very significant claim. And when I say significant, I mean that a rotator cuff injury like his you can be looking at sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars wow. for pain and suffering alone. Man. Now, again, every case is distinct. Every case is different. It depends on what happens with his injury. It depends with what happens at work. But don't forget the brother. Don't forget his brother who's helping him. Well, under the Family Law Act, family members who help individuals with various home uh, uh, things that they have to do, like here with the winter maintenance, summer maintenance. They can claim compensation. They're called derivative claimants. So if somebody's injured, whether it's a slip and fall, car accident, whatever the injury is, and a family member provides some kind of service for this individual because of the injuries, because this person cannot do it themselves, that family member potentially is entitled to some compensation for that. And there are other things for compensation that the family members could be entitled to, by the way, not just for those services. So my point is that when we're looking at a case like this, I'm looking not just as pain and suffering, compensation. I'm looking at potential income losses into the future, which could be significant because this person is a construction worker. It's a physically laborious job. This person is 53 years old, right? So, I mean, you're talking about uh, a lot of years still in the workforce. We don't know how it's going to impact him. We may need experts to give opinions here. We may need an orthopedic uh, surgeon to provide an opinion in terms of what is the prognosis? What can he expect in the future? Maybe we'll need a future care cost expert, someone to look at what are the things around the home he may need help with going forward. Maybe he'll need some treatments that are not going to be covered by his own accident benefits insurer. Um, What about other types of things like the family law act uh, uh, expenses? And by the way, a lot of individuals who end up getting injured, a lot of times pay out of their own pockets for certain treatments that are not covered by either their insurance through work or perhaps through their accident benefits. Again, those are called special damages. I'm throwing a lot of words here, John. I'm throwing a lot of concepts. My point is this. This person it has a potential six-figure um, uh, a claim, legal claim. And it's absolutely crucial that his claim is handled correctly from the outset, from the beginning. That means doing the correct accident benefits application for benefits from his own insurance company. And it, it means notifying the insurance company of the actual driver to let them know that there is a potential legal claim here that is going to, to you know, to be advanced and, 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 you know, to prepare themselves. And that's key. If you don't do all of these things correctly at the outset, you're going to have problems down the road. By the way, in many cases like this, people, as I mentioned before, you may have a very good manager, employer. What if you start having issues through work? What if at some point your employer says, no, 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 thank you. Yeah. And I have to let you go. Well, then there is an employment law issue that we can deal with, that we have to deal with, in fact. You know, though, you know, we would simply speak with one of the lawyers in our firm who specialize in employment and, you know, bring them in here so that they can help this person. What if there's long-term disability that is being accessed, right? Many people have long-term disability coverage through their benefits at work. And so a lot of times from this one type of accident, we have multiple claims that derive from it. And unless you have the right law firm, the right lawyers dealing with all these claims together at the same time in the correct way, the whole thing can collapse 
and you can have a situation where you are left with very little or a lot less than otherwise you would have been left with in your pocket than had you sought proper advice from a proper law firm. And that's what right. we do, by the way, for anybody yeah. who just joined in. We're lawyers. That's what we do. But we deal with only certain areas of law, employment, personal injury, and disability. That's our focus. And with that, it is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca. I mean, it's. I know we got to wrap up in a couple minutes, Savannah, but it just speaks to the point where people have to reach out because they think they know all all facets of things um, that they that they can uh, have a benefit to if things like this happen. But there, it's nuanced, and I mean, not every case is the same. And sometimes you don't realize this policy you signed on for, you know, so on and so forth. You're not taking full advantage of it, and maybe you're not being told of things that you should be have a benefit to, right? Yeah, I, exactly. I agree with you. And I'm not saying that lawyers who don't give you the correct advice are doing that intentionally. I don't mm-hmm. think that there is any lawyer out there, or at least I hope not that are giving you false advice on purpose. It's just that you need experience when it comes to these things. You know, and, and our team luckily has decades of experience. And, and many of our lawyers, including myself, have worked for insurance companies in the past. I mean, I started my career working as a defense lawyer, defending these kinds of claims. I defended municipalities when they were uh, sued. I defended uh, car drivers, companies. And so working on the other side now with my team and helping people who are severely injured because of no fault of their own, uh, it's gratifying to be able to help them to give this information. But I also still find it really problematic when people come to me after they've spoken to other lawyers only to find out that these lawyers have missed so many things in the advice that they were giving this person or these individuals. So again, this is what we're here for. It doesn't cost anything to talk to us. We'll be more than happy to speak with you about your case and give you your options. And with that, we will uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll actually take a quick break. We're going to take uh, take it for this show. It's it's so fast. It's thirty minutes. It just rolls by. But uh, you want to reach out now anyway? No problem. Do so. Write it down. Make that call one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca, and the website that is free and anonymous for you to use anytime to ask more questions. That is mydisabilityquestions.com. And uh, appreciate it. We'll catch you next time right here on the Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.